Welcome to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Connections, a podcast all about helping you comfortably connect with others in any situation. Hosted by Leanne and John, this podcast is proudly brought to you by Fortitude at Work. Fortitudeatwork.com.au Welcome everyone to today's podcast with Leanne and John. Hi. We're going to be talking today, our very first topic is actually going to be about crying. A hmm. um, bit of a doozy, I guess, this one, but I thought we'd get straight into it, John. Yep, that sounds like a good idea. I think it's a, it's a, it's a universal subject that um, uh, some people have some fears around. Yeah. Yeah, don't quite know how to cope with. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And I guess to put it into context, like I said in our intro um, session, let's do it in the, if we think about it, um, for example, it might be a question somebody asks, which is, my neighbour is crying, what should I do? Or my boss is crying, what should I do? My sister is crying, what should I do? Sure, or I'm crying. I'm crying. And is that okay? Yeah, that's exactly right. You could be, um, you know, come from a... A long line of criers, just like I do. Yeah, like your mum and you. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you need someone to cry, just call me. Yeah, Leanne's the town crier. <laughs> and that is literally, right? That is. That is. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we've talked about one reason why people might cry. It's in their genes. That is. And it's it's perhaps it's culturally acceptable to cry. Absolutely. Well, they're very connected to their feelings and, uh, and they're, they're okay with expressing them as opposed to the other end of the spectrum where uh, never cry because crying is a sign of weakness yeah so yeah that's right so you can go either way so um so what sort of situations are we talking about do you think john in crying um i think uh, uh anyone who has gets in touch with a feeling or a thought because uh, i don't know as you know it starts with the thought and then, mm. then the feeling that follows the thought, and uh, if the feeling has sadness around it, um, uh, then yeah, crying seems to be the next logical thing that your body and your mind wants to do. It wants to express that pain, wants to relieve it. Uh, yeah. so, it so it starts, you start crying. And it's not always a private matter though, is it? I know for me in the many work environments that I've been in, uh, it's, it wouldn't be unusual to, to have somebody mm. somewhere in, in the business at, at some stage, you may be upset. Yeah, if you're a, if you're a people watcher, um, if you're sitting in a an office or a, a shopping centre, for that matter, and uh, and you watch people just because you're interested in how people interact with each other, um, it won't take you long to see someone with some sadness in their eyes, uh, and you'll uh, more than likely everyone listening to this will know of a time where they were faced with someone that was walking past, or someone in their life, or someone they worked with that was uh, that was crying, and. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a normal, natural part of everyone's life. And it starts when we're very young. And the, uh, the first day, the first second you're born, crying mm. is a part of our lives. Yeah, it absolutely is. And as you said, sometimes it's, um, it's acceptable and embraced and, and other times it really isn't. And it's interesting you should raise the shopping centre scenario because I know for me there's been situations where I've gone and had a cup of coffee in a coffee shop with a girlfriend Mm. and we've talked about you know something that's been close to my heart or might be something that might be upsetting me or them Mm. um, and then they start to cry or I start to cry publicly and I wonder you know sometimes there's a fascination with the general public when you've got somebody who is obviously 
that vulnerable yeah. in the moment, yeah. um, you almost can't not look. That's true. And in our, uh, I don't know, in our society as a general rule, I think, is that most people don't walk around crying. Uh, so when you see someone or you're presented with someone who's crying, it's an unusual event in public. Mm. So it, it draws attention. It does. Do you think also that it shows, it does show that sense of vulnerability in another person and almost by default <clears throat> can make you feel better because they're crying and you're not? Hmm. Oh, so you sort of like a, you get some relief by being present to their... Well, you know, yeah. if you're walking by, maybe it might reaffirm your strength in that present moment. Oh, yeah. You know, if we're judging ourselves, I'm not, I'm not saying this is a good thing, by the way, but no. if we're judging ourselves against somebody else yeah. and you happen to see somebody else crying, um, maybe there's some sort of reassurance within your own self if you've, you know, you, you're, you're not in that vulnerable place at that point in time. Yeah, well, it's a personal experience. So if you. If you see someone crying in public, uh, you, you, your first thought might be, oh, that's embarrassing. Um, I, I, uh, I, I would never do that. I could never do that. They must be embarrassed. But you could just as easily go, oh, my goodness, that person has a tremendous amount of strength and they're, they're showing their vulnerability and I wish I could do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I admire them yeah, for it. their strength in being able to do that. That's it. And then everyone else is in between those two. Yeah. yeah. I think that's interesting too. Some workplaces, I think, allow for that to happen hmm. and some don't. So, for example, I can remember um, when we first moved into our factory at Billy Goat Soap and I think it was just a couple of weeks later uh, we were robbed and um, I remember walking in that morning uh, of being robbed with the girls from Billy Goat and I think at the time there was only about six of us in the business mm. and every single one of us cried mm. when we walked in and hugged each other and talked about how terrible it was that somebody would break into the premises but it was okay to cry and yeah. it was okay to have that, that little bit of oh, you know, um, fear I guess yeah. about what had gone on and, and obviously all, all of those people in that situation felt safe with each other to, to uh, reveal that vulnerable side of themselves. And, it's, and, and possibly there are some things happening in their own lives where, that were close to the surface. Yeah. Um, this may have given them an opportunity to, um, to express that pain or, yeah. the, or that grief. Yeah, so yeah. It, may, it may have been a way to exercise some yeah. of those feelings and tag it to yeah. something that's not as, yeah. as, as um, personal. That's true. I guess. Yeah. And I've had other instances where I've worked in large corporates where I've had moments where I've been upset, you know, I've had a run-in with my boss or I've asked for, you know, funding for a project or something and I've been so disappointed that um, I've needed to have a cry and in those instances I've either found myself in the toilets, in yeah. a cubicle, mm -hmm. or in the lift. Uh, because in the lift you can't even hear me unless some, there's a risk that somebody's going to get in. That's true. Um, because again, that if I'm crying in that organisation, that sense of vulnerability yeah. and being a woman yeah. can be confused with um, some sort of weakness. Yeah. So the, the messages that that you received was it wasn't a place, it wasn't a safe place for you to express that. Yeah. Yeah. And there, and there must have been uh, conversations or meetings or relationships in that place where it was made clear to everyone probably um, that this isn't the place to do that that's right yeah. strength above all else and yeah. and that stereotype i think of masculine strength yeah, yeah. um which someone does people you know yeah, i think absolutely and if you if you're talking about men um in this culture um probably more the generation before mine and probably more before that again was that that 
um, showing that vulnerability was seen as a place of, of weakness. Um, and those men, uh, my father and my grandfather, they, they didn't show that, that, that weakness mm. they thought. Um, they would hold it in and they would push it down and they would drink on top of it and they would work on top of it and they would hold it in. But it, then, of course, it would reveal itself in other ways, in, in uh, being unwell, uh, mm. mental health and um, addictions. Yeah. yeah. And do you think that has changed now for your generation? Do you think we are seeing more men um, knowing that it's okay to cry? Mm. And, and perhaps, you know, when you think of our kids, the generations that are coming after us, do you think that they're seeing it as being more acceptable to cry? Well, if you keep in, well, keeping in mind that my perspective is that I'm, uh, I spend time with uh, men and uh, with men that are um, in vulnerable positions, like in men's groups and anger management mm. and uh, with counselling. So um, those men are at a point of, uh, of, of needing to express their emotions. But, uh, so I don't spend a lot of time in the pubs. Okay? Yeah. But, but, I, but I'm sort of, my own experience was that I was brought up more by women than men. So uh, my mother and my sisters, um, they show their emotions, let me tell you. <laughs> they show yeah. the, all their emotions. So I was shown, if you like, during those years that as a male, um, it was okay to show my emotions. And that's probably why I'm, I'm in the helping fields more than the average. Because in, the, in the, the sphere that I work, it's around 20% male, 80% female being mm. present to people in pain. So, and I'm in that 20%, and I think it's probably because of um, uh, the, an absent father. And, uh, and, and being surrounded by women. But um, I'd like to think, uh, sorry, your original question, I'd like to think that, yeah, the, as the generations go forward, in this culture, this time in history, in this uh, country, I think men are showing their feelings more and they're, they're, they're being more comfortable with it and, and they're seeing it more as a strength to show their feelings yeah. rather than a weakness. So. I'd certainly like to think that um, our kids, mm. all of them, um, know that it's perfectly okay to cry and it's just another one of our human emotions that we have every right to express so I wouldn't I wouldn't I'd be sad to think that my boys ever thought that um, it was inappropriate to have a good cry and and they have at times haven't they they have and and my own personal challenge throughout with with my own boys because of four boys and one girl is that I have found myself or did find myself over the years saying those words like don't cry mm. stop crying I, I, and I remember hearing it coming out of my mouth at the time and, and, and held a bit of shame around that which I'm, I'm okay with now because I was doing the best with what I knew but but now I, I yeah I, I relish that opportunity if they want to show their emotions and they want to cry uh, because I know the tremendous value in showing those emotions and feeling those emotions now then yeah I'm more than happy with that and, uh, and allow it yeah definitely allow it and I guess on the flip side, it's not just about the person crying. Encourage it, not allow it, sorry. Yeah, yeah. encourage it. Yeah. Um, not just about the person crying, though, is it? It's about the people who are present or not present yeah. to the person who's crying. So you remember, um, and I recount this story many times when I do my public speaking, mm-hmm. Uh, where you and I had instances where we sat in solicitors' offices and we sat in accountants' offices um, as Billy Goat was going through its really, really tough times. And, you know, for the hour-long duration of those meetings, I probably cried Mm. for about 55 minutes of of those sessions. I really only got myself together enough to say hello and goodbye. Mm. 
and the rest of the time was spent in tears and many times in those types of difficult meetings um, what what happened in those scenarios was that the people around us said nothing Mm. um, and just let me cry Mm. And on some basis, I think that's a good thing. But on another part of me now, mm. upon reflection, thinks, was that is that the most appropriate way to um, to interact with somebody who is crying mm. and who's desperately, um, you know, sending up red flags everywhere that, that mm. they're just not coping at that point in time? Mm. Is it enough? And perhaps that plays into the stereotypes and often it's, it is the male stereotypes mm. where the answer is, oh, chin up, or mm. get yourself through it and you'll be okay. Yeah, so the, the, your question, I suppose, is that you, you're wondering their silence, was their silence an accepting silence or was it an awkward silence? Yeah. Yeah, so not knowing. And, is, and, if the, and was there anything they could have done differently to help? Yeah. Yeah. And because sometimes just silence isn't necessarily enough. Mm. Maybe it is awkward silence. It's like, oh, I really wish I wasn't in this room with this person, but mm. I'm stuck here now and the door's closed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's true. So, that's true. so I, I think it's actually interesting, before we talk about any approaches or you know what you might do, I think it's interesting to explore why do we cry? Mm. You know, what is it? And I know you've just touched on it earlier where it's a trigger, mm. an emotional trigger. Um, maybe it's worth exploring that a little bit more in, in some way. What do you think? Yeah, sure. Um, if we come back to the root cause of crying, mm. um, I wonder if perhaps, and we talked about it triggering an emotion, and I wonder if perhaps that's because we have a perception of self that is at a particular level in our mind. And we encounter an experience in the world. It could be something as simple as the Kleenex ad on TV mm. or, you know, our colleague at work yelling at us, for example. Yeah. But we have a certain perception of self that sits at a level and we're challenged about that perception and we come to the realisation that perhaps we're not at that level of self that we think we are because of the situation we find ourselves in we're getting challenged Mm. and that brings about an emotion a coping emotion which is crying Mm. do you think that that might be possible so it's perception of self yeah perception of self that you know it's a it's an unrealistic perception of self okay all right so an unrealistic expectation okay Mm. so if you have an unrealistic expectation around what you can cope with and what you don't and then you're faced with a challenge. That shows you're not coping. Shows you're not coping. Or you're not who you think you are. There you go. And that would then tap into a, a feeling of I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Yeah. That, okay, that I'm a failure or I, yeah. um, I, I'm, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Right. And the, and you've got a couple of choices then, right? And, and, and we're suggesting, because we're advocates of this, is to go and have a really good cry yeah. around those fears and to care for yourself yeah. during that crying, whereas others might decide... If they have a, a very strong uh, uh, coping mechanism that they put in place that says crying's not the deal, they will then distract themselves or, yes. or sedate themselves and distract themselves with work or with um, uh, exercise or with um, anything. Yeah, um, that's in- right. Internet, movies, or, or sedate uh, with themselves with uh, some drugs or alcohol or yeah, that's you know, right. Overeating, undereating. Yeah. Yeah, they'll do whatever they can to distract themselves from that that pain. 
Yeah. Whereas um, uh, if they'd gone straight to and, and, and sat with that pain yeah. and cried, um, that would then give that pain the attention that it was asking for. Yeah. And, and a couple of wonderful things happen, and that is you get not only you get a chemical release of endorphins, you know, from the client. That's absolutely true. You do, don't you? I yeah. forgot about that. That's but, right. But you also get a, a, a relieving of that pain. And that's the, the, the wonderful thing about crying and, and expressing pain and talking about your fears is that with every tear and every word that comes out of your body is like a relieving. It's like taking weight off yeah. your shoulders. We were talking about that analogy the other day. In fact, we were talking about um, somebody being able to cry because it releases the pressure. So if you think like a pressure cooker, mm. um, tears, I guess, are a bit like releasing steam out of a pressure cooker. It. it just brings us back. And it may never, mm. the issue may never, in fact, go away. Mm. But the ability to cry releases the tension that we might hold in our body. You're listening to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Connections. Do you want to spread the word in your workplace, community, team or school? We're available to speak at your event or deliver customised training. Visit fortitudeatwork.com.au for more info. There's lots of little analogies there about relieving pain or you can use the, the letting the steam out of the out pressure cooker cook, or you can let uh, a balloon by... Um, uh, deflating a balloon, letting air out of a balloon, the balloon gets smaller. Yeah, that's um, true. Offloading, you know, everyone says, I, I, I offloaded, you know, yeah. my friend the other day. You offloaded that that, that pain or that fear. Yeah, hmm. uh, and I guess that's why um, if you encounter somebody who might be crying, hmm. I know that you're a big advocate of this, right, If it is if you encounter somebody who might be crying, give them time yeah. to, to have that. Yeah. And as I was saying before, is that uh, there is a value in silence, um, uh, because if you talk over that or you uh, go into a, a process of oh no it'll be okay it'll be fine let's let's eat let's drink let's do something let's distract right then that what that does is that tells that person that the way I cope with pain is to distract. So when I see someone else in pain, I'm going to encourage them to do the same stuff I do. So let's go and drink, let's go for a walk, let's go and do come anything. On. Yep, come on, let's go and have a cup of tea. That's it. And the, way, and the way I cope in my life is to not go there. So I'm not comfortable with you going there, so let's go and do anything else for yeah. you to not go there. Whereas, as you say, I'm, I'm a big advocate in staying with the pain. Um, so uh, uh, allowing that silence and, um, and asking open questions more about that pain to stay with that pain. So just, yeah. So that's right. So... I guess a first tip is if you encounter somebody who is crying, let that be. Mm. So don't, that, that is not the time to say, come on, let's have a cup of tea. No, that's the time to empathise. It's the time to allow and to trust and to accept. Absolutely. Yeah. And little things, just, just a, a pat on the back or a staying present with them and, and, and staying, um, staying with them, yeah. allowing that. Uh, As I've said, I'm a prolific crier and I guess one of the first questions that people often will ask me is if I'm okay, are Mm. you okay? Mm. Uh, And that's quite a close question really. Mm. Uh, And particularly if it's a stranger, if it's somebody I don't know, I will most typically answer with yes. Hmm. And and I know this this flies in the face of the are you okay regrade, right? Because uh, the the value of asking somebody if they're okay 
um, does give them the opportunity to say, I'm not. But the general answer to someone saying, are you okay, is most people say, yeah, I'm fine, I'm good, right? Yeah. Whereas it, for me, it'd be more like, um, uh, it would be a reflection of, you're not okay. That may be closer to the mark. So if you are presented with someone who's in pain, who's crying, rather than say, are you okay, you say, you're not okay. I can see you're not okay. Yeah. And what might you say next? Um, well, it, it, it often, uh, uh, if the reaction is to for them to feel safe now to continue in their pain, then you stay present to that pain. Um, if they then, uh, they can give you excuses and say, they can actually come up with, oh no, I'll be right in a moment. Everything will be fine. Um, don't worry, um, you know, because they'll go into one of protecting you, mm. uh, the, the, the witness, oh, yeah. the witness to their pain, right? So in that instance, once again, permission, it's always permission. And that is, you, you would say things like, you are, you're not okay. I can tell you're not okay. And, and I'm here for you, okay? And if you need to cry, I'm totally okay with that. And, I, and I'm here for you. So it might not be a case of asking any more questions in the mm. short term. Mm. In fact, it might just be being a case of being present. Yeah, just being present. And the value of, of a, an accepting human being uh, with you when you're in pain. Uh, and, and most of the, I know this and you know this, and I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people listening to this will know that if, they, if you're in pain, having someone who is totally okay with that is a wonderful feeling. You, you, you're allowed to feel. And, and, and if they aren't trying to pick you up and fix you, and they are trying to take you away from the pain. If they're okay with it, it's a great feeling to just be okay. To be, it's like um, I was saying before, if you can care for yourself in your pain, that is great. But if you're being cared for by another human being in your pain, that's even, that's even better. Because mm. not only do you get permission and safety, you also get acceptance and connection with yes. another human being who says, it's all right. Okay, so let's just be honest here, Johnny, mm. okay? Um, how how many people do you think, if we say out of 10, mm. how many people out of 10 do you think are brave enough to just stay present and in the company of somebody else who is in pain? Well, once again, and it's only from my perspective, and I don't have the statistics in front of me for... Uh, where people are on the uh, Maslow hierarchy, okay? Yeah. So um, uh, my, if I had to guess, I'd say that the majority of people are not okay with their own pain mm. or with others. That's right. Right, because we have thriving industries in distraction and um, sedation. That's exactly okay? right. <laughs> so. Exactly right. Mm. Uh, and I hark back to my youth. Mm. I was never a girl to give out cuddles or... Um, to go to those emotional places and in fact my best friend would would often joke and say oh you know what you've you've, you've really got to lose a limb for Leanne to come up and and give you a cuddle and um, I've realized though over the years as I've you know hopefully grown older and wiser that um, I'm so more much more comfortable with my own ups and downs to then be comfortable in the presence of somebody who may in fact be in a down at that point in time. Yeah. But I don't I think it takes a lot of courage for somebody to willingly step into that their arena. Yeah, well it's 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 actually about it's always about self, right? So if you're you're present, you're being you're in front of someone who's in pain, who's crying 
and you could, and you feel uncomfortable around that, mm. then um, what that tells you in your self-awareness is that I'm uncomfortable with displaying my pain, so therefore I'm uncomfortable with them displaying theirs. So it would take a lot of courage to face your fear. Yeah. And if your fear is to not expose yourself or be vulnerable in front of others, then that would take a huge amount of courage to do something different. And if you don't have that courage, because it's okay to oh, not yeah. be in that space, yeah. so if you don't have that courage to be present to somebody who's crying, mm-hmm. what would you do? Well, uh, firstly, um, self-awareness, fantastic. Mm. And that is you go, okay, I'm not comfortable and I'm in the business of being comfortable, mm. all right? But I still care. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I still care for this person. I, I may love this person dearly, but I recognize that I'm not comfortable. So what I, if, if, if we're not in the business of giving advice, but if you, you would say, okay, what, I, what would you do for someone um, that you weren't capable of doing, you would probably um, help them find someone who is capable of helping them do what they need to do. Yeah. And, and I, well, I know we're talking about emotions, but if you're, you've got a friend who's, whose car's broken down and you don't know anything about mechanics, then you might suggest to your person to maybe, uh, maybe a mechanic. Yeah. It might be someone that, that might be able to help. You might call the NRMA. That's it, absolutely. So you can suggest to this person and be honest and authenticity. And you know we're big on this, right? Yeah. Brene, yeah. Brown, Brene Brown's a heroine to us yeah. about authenticity and, and being present to your own fear and shame. Um, then, yeah, you can suggest to that person and be honest and say, look, I, I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable, but I, I care for you. Yeah. And, and I, really, um, I really want to do what's best for you and I don't know what to do. Um, can I suggest that maybe you see someone like a, a counsellor or is there someone in your life that you feel uh, okay to be uh, upset with? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. They, and they may say yes or no and, and in either case you, you've, you've offered and you've been honest. Yeah. And, you've, uh, yeah. and that's okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you're right. I think it's about an authentic shared moment, mm. be it, you know, as a support or as someone who needs to find someone who can who can support that person yeah. through that time and in a, in a workplace um, uh, just like in families everyone uh, I don't know about you but you always know which people are the ones for this yeah. thing, okay you, you got the you know you might have an auntie or a nana or, or, a, or an administrator at work or there's Sally you know and yeah Sally in, in records right the, the go-to person when yeah. people they, they, they a thought, safe person that's it the safe person and you and in that instance if you're if you're total discomfort to say there maybe it's up to you but I think I'm going to give Annie, Annie Shirley a call or you go and see Sally in records yeah and you say Sally Steve's upset um, yeah. I don't know what to do um, uh, and I know you're good you're good with this stuff yeah okay and and once again uh, Sally in records or Annie Shirley or whatever will because they're a compassionate person they'll see what you've been doing and what you're trying to do and you're trying to help someone and you, you feel you can't, so you've gone the next best step. You've gone to find someone who may be able to. Yeah. yeah. And likewise, too, if you're seeking out support because you are crying or you yeah. are upset. One of the things you mentioned, Brene Brown, and one of the things that she says so famously is not everyone is deserving to hear your story. Hmm. So perhaps it's worth thinking about, oh, yes, I, I need some help here. I'm upset. Hmm. Who is worthy hmm. to hear my story? Yeah. Um, and, and make some decisions around that as well. Absolutely. Okay, so let's go back to um, you've, you've in the presence of somebody who's crying, you're comfortable and, um, and, and feel safe enough to, to be in their presence and to just allow them to be, mm-hmm. which is probably the greatest 
healing or gift that you can give them at that point in time. It's just be present. Yeah. Don't say anything. When do you think you get to a point where you might say something? And if you do, what do you say? Well, uh, once again, because I value um, uh, someone who's, who's purging their pain, who's feeling their pain, um, being present to that person and them offloading that pain in their words or their crying, um, the, the, it's called a turning point. Mm-hmm. And often that turning point happens. And we'll, we'll talk about it if it doesn't happen. But, but if you allow someone enough space, if you give them an environment to feel safe, to, to express their pain and to feel their pain, then what usually happens is um, they get to a point where it's a, it's a new livable point where they feel better. Mm. They actually feel better. So um, you can check on them and say, um, how are you feeling now? You ask open questions. How are you feeling? Um, you know, what, what's happening for you? Um, I can see you're in a lot of pain. Tell me what that's like. You can do the, use those sorts of open questions. And if that person has got to a point where they go, actually, I'm feeling better now. Mm. I, I, I've had a cry. I've had a whinge. I've had a, a I've yell. got it off my chest. I've got it off my chest. There you go. And, and you say, okay, well, then what, what do you need from me Yeah. right now? And they'll be honest, right? And Because they've just had a, a painful period. And they'll say, well, actually, I just need to be alone. Or I'd like to go for a walk. Yeah. Or I'm going to go get something to eat. Or I'm going to call mum. Whatever it is. Yeah. And you just allow for that too, right? Yeah. Now, the question you asked was um, if they're not, they haven't reached that turning point. If there hasn't been enough space. Is this about feeling uncomfortable with that still? No, no, no. no. I'm comfortable. I'm in their presence. No, I guess, you know, I'm able to let them just release and cry. I think you've answered that actually. So what do you need from me? What, where shall we go from here? Yeah. One of the things I know you and I talk a lot about when our boys are upset mm. um, and they're letting off steam yeah. and they're expressing their emotions. One of the things I'm, I know I'm so guilty of when we're, I'm in the presence of them being upset is wanting to tell them what to do next. Yeah. Well, that's that's a that's the parents' um, curse, right? Mm. And that is that as parents, we we bring these these vulnerable little creatures into the world, and it's our job to protect them, and to guide them, and to keep them safe. You know, so and we do that uh, from day one. They're just so vulnerable, and they're so um, fragile um, that we we, we 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 hold them, mm. right? and we feed them, and we change them, and that's we keep right. them. And then as they get older, we protect them from running towards roads and. Yeah. and eating the wrong things and stuff and like that. I think, though, it's the same even for a sister or a close friend. Sure, sure. We immediately... We, we want to go to their rescue, don't we? Mm. we? We want to go to their... We want to make it better. Yeah. You well, know? I was going to say before when you said um, if there isn't a turning point, if you're present to someone, mm. and there's two key words for me, and that is about patience mm. and trust in that patience that a turning point will come if they're given enough space to feel yeah so if you're with someone and they're still upset and you're going i remember i listened to john in the podcast and leanne and they said not to be present to it i'm being present to it and they're still going that's true why are they they getting any better right and then the next step is to be patient with that and to trust that what's happening for them is just right and at Mm. the pace that they're they're doing it at so your next question about um, how do I help them or how do I save them or guide them. Or respond or whatever. Right. Okay, well, that's about trust again. Mm. And that is that, uh, and it's about a boundary. And, and, and that is that I am a separate human being. Yes. I'm not, I'm not responsible for this other human being. 
Um, I have my life and me, and they have their life, and there's a there's a limit to what I can do for another human being. And in order to, and once again, it's about trusting their journey. So if their journey is at this time in their life, they're being present to their pain, then you trust that 100% that that's what they need for them, and I'm not responsible for the next step. That's right. I'm just here for the now. That's right, and. I think that that's a that's a major uh, a major personal awareness is that I actually cannot fix another person. No. I never ever can fix another person, yeah. and if we can, if we could fix others, yeah. we would have superpowers, right? Yeah, yeah. we we'd be changing. I would be. I'd be changing things all over the place. I'd be making that person happy. Yeah. I'd be making that person successful. Mm. I'd be making that person highly motivated. I'd be making my son the Prime Minister of That's Australia. That's right. Yep. But the reality of it is I have no influence really over the choices that another person makes. No. What you do have is how you present yourself to others. Mm. And, and the best that I, I think uh, I can do for another human being is to model my self-care and, yeah. my, and my self-love. So if I'm being present to someone's pain and I recognise that I can't save them or rescue them or help them, it's actually in me trusting them 100% that this is their life and their journey that they feel safe enough to firstly to be in my presence and then secondly for them to find their way. Yes, but that's the interesting point, and I know we discuss this a lot at various times. What if I see the way? So what if I know that if they only did X, Y, Z, then they wouldn't have to cry anymore, they wouldn't be upset. So if only they left the job, if only they talked to their partner about what's making them cry, if only they did their homework on time, if only, if only, then the world would be great. Um, what role do, does those do those thoughts have in helping somebody who's crying? Well, uh, once again, you know, she should leave the bastard, right? Okay, <laughs> or, or, or he should just not work there. That's right? right. Or he should stop wasting his time. That's right. Doing that, right? So once again, they all come from self. Yeah. So if you um, if you with self awareness, you go, okay, I'm uncomfortable with them not getting it yet. Yeah, that's I'm un- right. I'm uncomfortable with them not making the right bloody choice right which is right in front of their eyes that's right right so if you once again it has to come back to self-awareness for self that's right and that is i'm uncomfortable with them not taking that next step that's right Um, and i have to trust that's it ultimately i have to trust that where they're at in this point in time even if they've cried over this issue 10,000 times times before and I've heard it all before they are right where they are meant to be because if they weren't they would make a choice to move to a different place in their life and if you trust their journey and their journey may be to stay with that guy right Or, or to leave that guy and go find another guy that's exactly the same right and if you jump on the bandwagon of telling them what to do then the message they receive is you don't know what you're doing. That's right. And if you say, you need to do that, or you should do this, or you shouldn't have done that, right? every time you say that to another human being, the message they're hearing is... You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You and, don't know what you're doing. Right. And let's go back to yeah. what we said, I don't know, 20 minutes ago, I think now. Yeah. Let's go back to the reason why people cry in the first place. Yeah. They have a sense of self at a certain point or position... Yeah. 
they're challenged on that sense of self for whatever reason and they come to a realization at that point in time i'm not as good as i thought i was or i'm not coping as well as i thought i could and then the release is tears so when you imagine you've then got somebody in your presence who's going to then tell you what to do which equals the message of you're not good enough you're feeding it yeah, you're feeding it because yeah. that person's already thinking it, right? In the very otherwise, they wouldn't be crying. That's true. That's true. And and uh, I, we're going to talk about this, but there's a bit of spirituality that comes into this for me, right? And that is that if we um, we create opportunities in our lives and we attract relationships and situations that are going to force us to face our fears. Now that sounds pretty scary, okay? Mm. But it just seems to be the deal, right? And that yeah. is, an, um, and that includes being present to someone who is telling them what to do, mm. right? We could be me. Yeah, we're getting really deep we are. now. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. That's, all right. that's all right. That's all right. And but once again, if I come back to trusting them one hundred percent, then I'll also trust my relationship. And if I'm not helping, I also trust that they're <laughs> going to get they're going to get sick of that too. Yes. Right, and they will they will. They will remove the negativity from their lives eventually, which may include me. Okay, so I guess, you know, if we were to summarise all the things that we've talked about today, and we've covered quite a lot of ground, it really is about uh, knowing if you're you're able to be present to someone and and recognising if you've got the strength to be able to do that. And it's okay if you don't. It's actually okay. Um, Perhaps you can refer that person to somebody else who may be able to to step in and and be present. And that's the next point is just be present. Um, Don't don't go into distraction if you're feeling uncomfortable. Mm. Um, Just be there. That's right. But if you are uncomfortable, you can care for yourself yeah. and care for them by connecting them to someone who, who, who can be with them. Yeah. And that person who can be with them most typically would let them cry. Yeah. Because crying is like a sense of release. Hmm. Yes. Um, be with them until they're able to um, recover from yeah. the, the crying. The turning point. Yeah, the turning point. Yeah. Recover from their, their crying episode, I guess, and um, get to that turning point. And once they're there... Ask a series of open questions. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Yeah. Or what yeah, can I do? That's it. So what, um, what do you need from me? And what do you need for you? Yeah, what do you need from me? What do you need from you? Yeah. Listen to yep. the answers. Yep. Help them reach their answers, achieve their answers. And then follow up afterwards. Yeah. yeah. I often think that uh, the reason that, that I went into the listening trades is that um, uh, I've been training people over the last 15 years on how to be present and how to listen to people but I think I've just been doing it because I'm training people to listen to me so, so that, <laughs> because because I recognize and probably didn't get a lot of it when I was younger uh, the value of someone um, unconditionally caring for me and allowing me to express how I feel I'm out teaching the world to do that for me yeah so as a side effect uh, I might help people but I'm being helped in the process as yeah, well. Yeah, I think that's um, certainly true for me and I think that's the key word, isn't it? Unconditional. Yeah. It's not about offering advice. It's not about telling them what they should be doing. No conditions. No, because they're already in that place so it's not about that. It's just about listening. That's it and trusting them in their journey completely. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you've heard it 10,000 times before. Absolutely. Patience. That's where they're meant to be. Yeah, it's all those key words, isn't it? It's yeah. patience, trust, Unconditional. Yeah. Yep. Presence. Presence. Yep. Yep. 
Um, um, and, and do you think there's anything else around this topic? I know we've talked for quite a while, John. We didn't think we'd get this far. Yeah, we've, sorry about that, everyone. So We've run a marathon, boy. Yeah, it's probably uh, uh, Happy Tears. We didn't talk about Happy oh, Tears, yeah, Happy Tears. Happy Tears are good, yes. Oh, I like Happy Tears. Happy Tears are good. I have lots of those as well. Is it okay, do you think, to have happy tears? I think it's okay Absolutely. to have happy tears. Oh, just, well, I'm just going to throw, uh, just before we go. Sure, look, we, <laughs> we've got all night. We honey. do. We do. <laughs> um, if you're with someone mm. and they're in pain and they're, and they're upset and crying, often they will laugh. Ah, yeah. Okay, and, uh, or they may, um, uh, someone who you think, uh, someone may go from laughing to crying very, very easily. So um, I've found over the years that if you're with someone who, who's upset, and they start to laugh, it's very easily you can think, oh, great, we're all, we're all over the pain now, let's all have a big laugh together. I've found that it's okay to, to wait, to not laugh, uh, to allow, right? And you might find that then the laughing then does turn to crying. Okay? Uh, right, right. Yeah. So, and, and now if we talk about happy tears, yeah, yeah. Then, then once again, that's a, it's an emotion. And the emotions of fear yeah. um, is just as, is just as ex, ex, intense as the emotion of love. Yeah, that's okay. very true. And your body uh, wants to say it and express it, just like it does with fear. It wants to do the same with love. Yeah. And the tears come then too. Yeah, I, I think that's a really lovely point. Actually, mm. it's that's very true. They do those intense emotions, and I think it's also worthwhile mentioning Lifeline, isn't it? Really, that Always. if you if you need to speak to somebody in when you're in crisis. Yep and you're upset and the tears are flowing and you really do want to speak to someone who's actually very well trained hmm. to be able to listen. Yeah, and, they're, and, and they're, their whole, um, the business of Lifeline is exactly what we've been speaking about and that is to be present, uh, to be accepting, non-judgmental, right. uh, allowing and trusting and with personal boundaries, um, uh, being patient yeah. with that person and trusting that they're right where they're meant to be yeah. and to give them a space or an environment for them to feel whatever they need to feel. Yeah. yeah. And that number's 131114. That's it. And they're there 24 hours a day, really, aren't they? Absolutely. All the time. Okay. So, look, I hope everyone's enjoyed our talk about, you know, my person is crying. What do I do? Yep. Um, stay tuned for our next episode. We're going to cover a different topic of um, emotion. We're going to go and tackle the hard ones. Um, I think, what, what shall we do next time, Johnny? I don't know. Have you got it written on a piece of paper somewhere? That <laughs> no, no, not at all. This tell... is radio. No, so I think you told me earlier and I wasn't listening. <laughs> not a very good listener. What was it? I think we should do, my client is yelling. Anger? No, yelling. Yelling, oh, honey, yelling. Okay, or thought... anger. They're probably together, aren't they, really? Okay, all right. We'll, we'll do tears this time and we'll do a bit of uh, yelling and screaming next time. Yeah, yelling yep. and screaming. Okay, okay, so that's next time. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. Yep, thank And you. we look forward to sharing with you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Connections with Leanne and John. Connect with us via Facebook at Fortitude at Work. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. See you next time.